Amen. Good morning again. If you're watching online, you don't know who I am or you're here, you don't know who I am. My name's Tony. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Gateway. Uh, we're in a series called Who is Jesus? Uh, this is the epiphany season. If you don't know what epiphany means, it is that Christian time of year, the calendar, where we celebrate the manifestation of Jesus, the Son of God on earth, the revelation of God on earth. That is that epiphany time. And we're in some passages of Scripture. It's been part of our Common Thread Bible study uh, every day for a few weeks now. It'll continue to be about this mystery man who is Jesus. I want to start this morning uh, by just kind of letting you know something. Um, I thought about this this week. I have spent entirely way too much time in my life trying to be good. I've spent entirely too much of my Christian life trying to be good. I know it sounds funny, right? But most of my Christian life has been about working really hard to be good, to be a good person, to be moral, right? Stop doing that. Start doing this. Don't say that anymore now that you're a Christian. But say this, don't think that. Why did I think that? And this has been the roller coaster of my Christian life, of trying to be good and failing, trying to be good and failing, and trying to understand where is that measurement stick, right? Where is good enough? And so I've spent entirely way too much of my Christian life trying to be good now don't get me wrong there were and still are things in my life that need to change and some of you could probably tell me what those are pretty easily right i don't encourage that send me an email i'll work on it and i know that and i know that there are things that need to change and i know that there are things that i need to do better and i know that i'm human and that i make mistakes and i stumble and i fall and i know these things and so the christian life for me becomes trying to be better trying to be good trying to be moral but i've learned something over the years that is probably going to be a shocker to you or maybe you've thought about this too but you don't have to be a christian to be a good person so if my christian life is all about me trying to be good i don't really need jesus to be good because the truth is, in my life, I have met some incredibly good people who don't follow Jesus. I mean, they are good people. They, they give more than I give. They care more than I care sometimes. And I've known people who, when you see them, you're like, wow, these are just really good people. But when you ask them, they're not following Jesus. They're not a Christian, if you will. You know, if you give me the right education and you give me 
a focused discipline, and you give me a good, strong willpower, I can be good. I've thought about this. Have you? You don't need, if you have the right upbringing, if you have the right knowledge and the right education, and you have discipline, you can be a good person. And you don't need Jesus to do it. I've actually met, as I said, really good people who surprised me that weren't followers. I thought they must be a Christian. And they weren't. Well, things definitely do need to change in me. And I know that I need to be better at some things. But I've spent entirely too much of my life The Christian life trying to be good. You see, the problem is that as I lived the Christian life, I lived the Christian life as though the goal of the Christian life was morality. That when I come to Jesus, I mean... I remember when people would come down to the altar and get saved, the first thing someone would tell them, okay, now you've got to stop doing this. And you've got to stop doing that. And we just kind of bought into this idea that the Christian life is just about becoming good. The goal of the Christian life, the goal of following Jesus is Jesus is going to make me a good person, and that's going to be beneficial to me and others. I suppose I'm not alone here today that I'm not the only one who thinks Christianity is all about the do's and the don'ts. As a matter of fact, some of you probably aren't following Jesus or maybe you're watching, you're thinking about it and you really don't like the do's and the don'ts. Because so many of us just get caught up in that. And I can take you to churches today where in the legalistic sort of way, they, it's all about the do's and the don'ts. And so the focus of Christianity becomes about working really hard, of course with Jesus' help, right, to be good. Perhaps you once tried to follow Jesus and you just kept failing because you were trying to be good and you realized man, I can't do this. And maybe you're listening online and perhaps one time you tried to be a Christian, you tried to follow Jesus, and you bought into this morality thing that it's all about being moral, and you just kept failing and realized, I don't feel very good, and you just gave up and said, I can't do this anymore. Perhaps you're about to give up. Maybe you've been doing this for a very long time and you've been down this road of trying to be good, trying to be good, and man, when's good enough? And you're thinking about giving up. Maybe you've got a negative view of Christianity because you're only experienced with people from the church are people who are all about the do's and the don'ts. They're legalistic. And you feel the pressure to add up. You feel the pressure to be something that they expect. You're like, I don't want any part of that. 
or maybe you're just tired. You've spent years of your life. You've bought into this idea that it's all about me becoming a good person. And you have. You're a better person than when you first... Because following Jesus makes your life better. And following Jesus makes me better at life. I get that. But maybe you're just tired because you've made the whole focus about following Jesus about you being a good person. And you're getting tired of trying to be a good person. And sometimes you feel like a bad Christian, as if there is such a thing. Think about that. Well, I'm just a bad Christian. As though there's some scale of 1 to 10 that we rate everybody on. Well, I'm a 10, obviously. (laughs) And all of you are like 2s and 3s. Right? And then we judge one another and we see where people are at in their faith. And, well, I'm a lot further down the road than you are, as though there's some scale that we have to achieve in our Christian life. I thought it was just about following Jesus. Consider this with me today. What if? Now, just come closer. No. Consider this with me today. What if Jesus doesn't call us to be good, but instead Jesus calls us to be holy? Wait a minute, Pastor Tony. That's the same thing, right? No. Holiness has nothing to do with morality in the sense that we think it does. Goodness is about my behavior. Holiness is about my separateness. Stay with me. Because we mix these things. It's not that being good and behaving correctly is a bad thing. You need to do that. There are certain things that you need to stop doing. And there are certain things you need to start doing. But that is not the goal of Christianity. It's a byproduct of following Jesus and surrendering your heart into holiness. You can't be good enough till you reach holiness. You you can't perform as though I'm so good I've reached a level called holy. Holiness is nothing to do with your goodness. It has everything to do with your separateness. The word holy in the Bible literally is translated to be set apart for a holy purpose. The only holy in that equation is God. God is holy. He is totally set apart. There is none like Him. There is nobody that will ever be like Him. No one can ever achieve what He is. But He calls us out to be separate to be set apart for a holy purpose. Stay with me. I thought those were the same, Pastor. I thought goodness, being good and moral and holy holy were the same. They're not. Not really. Unfortunately, too many of the church have equated them to be the same. And this is why you get churches who think holiness has to do with how you wear your hair, 
the clothes you wear, whether you wear jewelry or not. Y'all probably like, what are you talking about? I grew up in a holiness church that didn't believe in wearing earrings. Well, women could, but men couldn't. No, I'm just kidding. Women couldn't either. We didn't go to movies. We didn't play with, we could play with other cards, but not face cards. We didn't go to dances. We dressed a certain way, acted a certain way, behaved a certain way. Why? Because we equated holiness with morality, with how I looked and acted and behaved. And they're different. Holiness has more to do with being set apart for a higher purpose to be used by God to do something that I can't do in my own strength, but His Spirit empowers me and sanctifies, sets me apart. Now, there is something that needs to happen in us for that to happen. A dying to myself. So we are now in that time of history where Jesus, that age of history, where Jesus is calling all who will come to the table, the banquet table, to be part of the kingdom. Jesus calls us to follow him. Now listen to this. Jesus calls us to follow him and to join him in his mission to save people. That is the setting apart. The Christian life isn't so much about me being good as it is me being on mission with Jesus. Don't go tell people, my pastor said I can be bad. That's not what I'm saying. If you're hearing that, you're missing the point. Is anybody missing the point? It's okay, raise your hand. I'll explain it more. The point is, we change as we follow. The goal isn't the change. The goal is the follow. That's what I'm saying. The goal is to keep moving toward Jesus and keep moving toward his mission. Keep listening to his voice calling you. That's the goal. And as you follow, your life will change. Jesus calls us to follow, not for my sake, but because someone's life depends on it. Whoa, whoa, Pastor. I thought this Christianity thing was about me and God and getting right with God and Him making me good and me looking good to everybody because I'm such a good person. Mm -mm. Jesus calls us because someone's life depends on it. (laughs) Did I get your attention on that one? It's not about us. There, I said it. It's not about me. 
our Bible verse today tells us this. We miss this. We've converted this evangelical idea of Christianity. It's all about me and go getting saved and making it to heaven. And it's not. It's not. It's about us hearing the call of Jesus saying, come with me. Let's go rescue the world. Because it's going to hell and I'm here to save it. But I need you. And I need you. And you. That's what the Christian life is about. It's not about me. It's not about me getting some reward to go to some place in a mansion in the sky. It has nothing to do with it. It Everything to do with the banquet table that the Lord has set and He's inviting the whole world. And He says, who will go? Who's going to come with me? Who's going to follow me? Where are you going, Jesus? I'm going to the lost. I'd rather just stay here with the found. No, we're going that way. Are you coming? The Bible teaches us that Jesus calls us to follow so that we can learn from Him. Not just to be a good person, but that we learn from Him how to rescue people from the darkness of the dark world they live in. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 says this. After John put, was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, or some say proclaiming the news about God. The time has come. Jesus said, I don't know about you, but if Jesus, the creator of all things, says the time has come, I'm going to listen. What time? What are you talking about? Sounds urgent, doesn't it? When someone comes to you and says the time is now. Ooh, you kind of like, I'm going to miss out on something, right? I'm going to, I need to get on board. I need to hear this. I need to join this he says the time has come for what the kingdom of god is here (laughs) that sounds pretty big these guys have been waiting for this kingdom their whole life and now jesus shows up and he says the time has come the kingdom of god is near now listen repent and believe the good news that's urgent repent So John, the Baptist's time was up. It's now Jesus' time to begin his ministry. And for three years, he's going to share his life. He's going to set up shop, if you will, to recruit disciples who are going to carry his mission past his time on earth. Jesus was proclaiming the good news. The time was fulfilled. So I I put together this little image for you so that you can kind of understand what I'm talking about. This is history on one page. You see the dotted line? The dotted line separates eternity from time. You and I are not above the dotted line. We are restricted to time. 
The Creator, Father, Son, and Spirit, God, are above the dotted line because they are not bound by time. But we are. God created, and between creation and Jesus is what we call the covenant period. This is the time that God worked in the Old Covenant. This is the time for the law and and the keeping of the law and the practicing of the law, the being good. (laughs) Trying to do every letter of the law even though they couldn't. And then Jesus comes. This is the split between the old and the new. Jesus steps into time. He comes down from eternity into time. And he then begins the last age of history. We are now in the last days. And you say, wait a minute, Jesus was on earth 2,000 years ago. Yep. We've been in the last days for 2,000 years. Well, what's he waiting on? Because he's got so many lost children. He's waiting on us. We are now in the period of the church. The church is to be the mission-going, rescuing arm of this period of time. We are now headed toward what is called consummation. Glorification. This is when Jesus comes back and everything, judgment, happens. Everything comes under God's rule. It's too late at that point for the lost. Jesus says, now is this time. This time in history where God is calling all his lost sheep. And Jesus is inviting you and me to go to the lost sheep, to go out into the world, to go out and to find people who are far from God. Because judgment is coming and they need rescued. Jesus is the dawning of a new age, an age marked with urgency. Why? Because it is the last age in history what's next judgment eternity this age is going to be the most climactic and decisive age in all of history and we get to be a part of it we're in that period of time so jesus's message implies just a few things and i want to share those real quick that the coming of god's reign and rule must be shared. It must be shared. Jesus says, it says that Jesus was proclaiming the good news. The kingdom of God is not something that's super obvious to most. You have to proclaim it. You have to tell it. You have to share it. The second thing is the benefit of God saving and ruling happens, his saving action happens when I repent. I don't benefit from this kingdom unless I turn to the kingdom. And third, each person has to respond individually. And this is exactly what we see in the next section of our passage of Scripture. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. 
for they were fishermen. Next. Nope. I'm sorry, I stopped there. Simon and Andrew were fishermen. I just want to point something out real quick. These guys were poor fishermen. You say, how do you know that? Because they didn't have a boat. They didn't have hired hands. Picture this. They were poor fishermen standing about waist deep in water, casting a net, and the two of them were pulling in the fish. They only got to go for the small little fish because the small little fish came up into the shallows. If you wanted to get to the big fish, you had to go out into the deep water. So here's Peter. Simon is Peter and his brother Andrew, and they're casting this net. And Jesus walks up to them and he begins to ask them this next verse. Come, he said, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. (laughs) With hooks? Jesus calls them to simply follow. He doesn't say, hey, come with me and I'm going to make you a really good person. Hey, come with me, and I've got some really good things I'm going to give you. All that stuff is nice, and it happens. But what he really says when he calls the disciples is, Hey, come with me. Follow me. And I'm going to make you fishers of men and women. That is so odd to me that he would say that. Jesus calls them to break ties with their old way of life and to jump into a new way of life. Of life, You might say that Jesus says to them, you're fishermen. I'm going to repurpose your fisherman career into a people fishing career. I'm going to repurpose your life. I'm calling you to do something different. Jesus calls them to be totally dedicated. Totally dedicated. Verse 18. At once they left their nets and followed him at once. I don't know about you, but that's strange to me. I mean, they're standing there and they're throwing nets and they're not just going fishing like some of you guys go ice fishing and you like to catch fish. And I really am thankful Bill Hartzif goes fishing because every once in a while he calls me over for a fish fry and it's really good. You know, these guys were fishing for their livelihood. This is how they made money. This is how they fed their families. This is how they what they did for their life. And at once, they left. I think it's the metaphor in verse 17 that Jesus uses that changes everything for these guys. He says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. The casting of a new vision, and yes, pun intended. A greater call I'm calling you to. You're fishing for fish, but I'm going to teach you to fish for people. And you think, well, that just seems strange and odd. I'll send you out to fish for people. But it's a strong metaphor for these Hebrew first century men standing in water, fishing in the sea near Galilee, in Galilee. If you do a quick Old Testament survey... It will reveal that fishing was quick, was 
fishing was something that was often used in the Old Testament prophets to tell us about judgment. In the Old Testament prophets, there are several passages where the prophet speaks about fishing, about hooking people and pulling them up, and it always had to do with judgment. The other thing that's interesting, and part of Jesus' analogy when he calls these men, is that for many of these people, they understood, they feared the sea. They feared the water. They feared the depths. The water represented judgment. It represented chaos. It represented something they couldn't control. It represented the darkness of life. This is the background to Jesus walking up to Peter and Andrew saying, I'm going to call you, I'm calling you to follow me so that we can fish people out of the sea. And they would have understood. I think this was their urgency. I think this is why they jumped in so quick. Because Jesus gave painted a picture, a background with the sea behind them. And Jesus saying, look, people are drowning in the sea. And they need rescued. I'm calling you to come with me so we can fish them out and rescue them from chaos and the darkness. When do we leave? It was a vision bigger than what they currently had in their life. It was something greater than themselves. The water was this symbol of evil and loss and chaos. And from such waters, people needed to be rescued. Verse 19. So Jesus goes on, when he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now, James and John had a little better operation, right? They had a boat, and they had hired men. say, well, why do you talk about them being poor fishermen and well-to-do fishermen? I think it's just that Mark wants to see that Jesus calls anybody and everybody. Jesus called these men, James and John, to a bigger life than what they are currently living. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they all walked away from their life, the way of life that they had to join Jesus in a new life. So, As a follower of Jesus this morning, you have to ask yourself this. Is there an urgency in my life to go fishing for people? And if not, why? I remember in Sterling, Illinois, I just moved there. My wife and I had just gotten married. It was my first youth ministry job. We had moved all of our stuff in the house, returned to U-Haul, and we had nothing to eat, so we stopped at a restaurant to eat. And as we were sitting there in the restaurant talking about this move, our new marriage and all that, um, about two tables over, a man began to choke. I'd never experienced this before. Has anybody ever experienced that in a restaurant before? It's kind of scary, isn't it? I mean, he literally could not breathe. And he's like, and his family's standing around, and you could see the fear on their face. And this man's beginning to choke, and he stands up, and he can't breathe. I mean, boom, 
Immediately, people jumped up. They left their tables. They left their food. They didn't care that they just spent $20 and it's getting cold. They jumped up and they ran to this guy to rescue him. It's like standing around a pool and everybody's talking and the kids are playing and all of a sudden one of the kids is struggling and they start to sink. Nobody has to say, is anyone going to jump in and save him? But I mean, immediately, three or four people jump in and they go to rescue the kid because it's urgent. I remember a year ago this February, sitting at home in my pajamas late at night. I get the call from Kyle that Lauren's flipped her car. She rolled her car. I'm on my way there. She's in a field. She's upside down in the car. That's all I know. I looked at my wife and I said, you go. No. But my favorite show's on TV. No. I ran as fast, as well, I drove my car as fast as I could. 20 minutes out there into the middle of nowhere. Because it was urgent. When you Feel that urgency that someone is in danger. Someone is being lost. Someone needs rescued. You jump up and you run. You leave everything behind and you go. You take all your nets, all your fishing boats, all of the things that you've ever done, and you say, I don't need those right now. I need to go do this. That's urgent. When someone senses the urgency to save a life, they will drop everything and say, how can I help? What if everyone in that restaurant that day just stayed seated? Well, you know, he should chew his food a little better. While he's choking. Well, if he would just slow down and not talk while he's eating. They got themselves into that. I'm not going to mess with my life to go help them well I told the kids not to play in the pool let him drown you want to know a secret two hours before Lauren turned her car her mom called her and told her she needs to head home because the snow's coming down heavy and she argued with her mother Did I lay in bed and say, you told her. Let her lay out there in the mud and upside down and cut up. and She deserves it. We warned her. I've heard people say this about people who are lost. Well, they know better. I mean, what's wrong with them? I, they got the same information I got. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give anything or my time or talents or treasure for that. I mean, they're there because they want to be there. They're there because they messed up. They screwed their life up. Let them figure it out. Let them pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I don't need to help them. You think I did any of that? No. 
because rescuing my daughter was more important than judging her. Did you hear that? Rescuing that lost person is more important than judging them. You can judge them all day long, but they're still lost. Jesus calls us to love. Jesus calls us to follow. Jesus calls us to go where he goes. And here's what you have to ask yourself this morning. Am I following Jesus to be a better person? Or am I following Jesus simply because I need to help him on his mission? And those are two very different things. You want to know what I think? I'm going to tell you anyways. I think this because this is me at times in my life. I think we would rather work on being good than being holy. Being good, I can control that. Being holy, I'm giving up control of my life. Being good, I can be moral and work hard at that. And when I achieve some goodness or give something up, I can say, look how good I am. Oh, Jesus, I couldn't have done it without Jesus. When in reality, Jesus is calling you to be holy and you're worried about being good. I would rather work on being good than being holy because good is easier than being set apart. To be set apart means that I'm giving up control of my life. I'm going to stop trying to be good and I'm going to let Jesus do it in my life. Sometimes the trying to be good stunts what God really wants to do in your life. Because you're all about you. It's all about me. It's what I can do. It's what I can achieve. It's what I can accomplish. I just need to work harder. I just need to do this better. I need to get up earlier and read more chapters out of my Bible. It's all about you. Being holy is letting go of your life. It's giving it up. It's letting Him be in control, letting Him lead you and guide you and change you. And all you're doing is saying, yes, Lord, I'll follow. I really think we'd rather be good than holy because holy costs me something. Being good doesn't. I think that we become too attached to our lives. I imagine what these disciples walked away from so that they could follow. Listen, it's the bottom line of the message this morning. Jesus is calling me to follow because someone's life depends on it. If I don't follow Jesus, who will go where Jesus is? So where is he? He's where the lost are. He's eating with them sinners. He's drinking with them sinners. He's partying with them sinners. He's hanging out with them sinners. That's where Jesus goes. Because he is in this period of time when he is trying to gather as many that will accept the invitation. We are in the last days. Will you answer the call? Will you drop your nets and follow? That means that you have to repent You have to turn away from all that you think is important and begin to see that all of life 
The Christian life is about rescuing others from judgment. The powers of darkness. Will you walk away from the dreams and the personal wants that you have and join the mission? Will you open your time and talents and your treasure for the mission of God? This is a radical change. It's a radical change for Peter and Andrew and James and John, and it will be a radical change for us. But imagine what might happen if we all answer the call. Not to just be good, but to be holy. For a higher purpose, more than just making money, more than just work, more than just buying things, saving for retirement, more than just being happy. What if we could begin to see our family, our work, our money, our time, our recreation? What if we began to see all of that as part of the mission to reach people? Imagine how you might change and your family might change. Our worship team is going to come and close us out this morning. Father, this morning, it's been a hard message this week. It spoke to me as I read the story of the calling of these men. Your calling them was simply to come and I will make you fishers of men. It's good to know that they didn't start fishing on day one. Father, it's good to know, Jesus, that you showed them how to do it. That they became fishers of men. Not on day one, but it's something that just happened in their life as they followed you and saw you interact with the lost. Help us this morning, Lord, to let go. To let go of that pressure to be good and instead to give up and let you do what it is you do in our hearts and realize I can't be good enough it's a matter of faith and grace in you Jesus set us apart to do your work would you stand with me and as we sing we'll close out the service this morning God bless intro to 